0: Santa Claus I uh, every year about this same time Walt I get the old urge of of the retired radio Santa Claus to get that that gurgly sound in your voice you know like <laughs> yeah, it's a funny business but you know speaking of, uh, of uh, it, isn't it a great night out it really is great. Out. I'll tell you, it, uh, uh, you, you hear all these guys yelling about the weather all day long on the radio. we got about ten of them on the station. You're talking about the weather incessantly on the air. And, and you never once hear a guy say, wow, what a gas. And now the news, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, it's never it's so impersonal as to be ridiculous. The other night, uh, when, when it was just beginning to snow, I I tuned I dialed the uh, weather you know on the uh, telephone thing, and there is this there was this great Brooklyn weather girl. I'll tell you I I enjoyed her a lot more than any weather girls you ever hear on television. The Central Park temperature is now seventy you know that kind of thing, and they, they they've got this beautiful sound that you'll never hear anywhere. So have you ever have you ever heard the Chicago weather girl? Well, sure you know they've got these weather girls you know the telephone company. As this thing and and wherever you go in whatever city it is and uh, you dial this number whatever number they have it's always I think it's it may, it may be the same number across the country. you well I know what it is here yeah uh, but you generally get a, a pure distillate of the local culture when you dial those girls because nothing makes a telephone or because they apparently just pick them at random I don't know do they audition these girls? Do they, do they cover various sections of Manhattan and Queens and the Bronx? One day they have a lady from the Bronx, so she sounds a little different from the Brooklyn gal, you know. And then, you know, to give fair play, to give it fair uh, cross-section. But, oh, boy, was there a dilly of a Brooklyn, a, a, a pure Brooklyn. She sounded like these, you know, these women that used to do all kinds of Brooklyn accents on the radio when they had... Uh, You remember shows with uh, Milton Berle. There was always somebody saying, What are you talking about? You know, that kind of thing. Well, this lady the other night says, The Central Park temperature is 29 degrees. The barometer is rising. And (laughs) it's fantastic. You know, listen to that. It was one of the greatest comedy routines I've heard in years. And all she was doing was the weather. And she had that slightly querulous sound in her voice that Arthur Cobber, isn't it Arthur Cobber, the guy that does the great used to do the great pieces in New York, still does once in a while. Bella. You remember Bella? It sounds you always have a feeling that she's that the lady who's doing these things is out of an Arthur Cobber story. That's where she works. The temperature is <laughs> slightly irritating and you drop dead, you know, that kind of thing. Thank you. And now the weather, it's, it goes click. The 1 a.m. Central Park temperature reading, 1 a.m. Central Park temperature reading, 1 a.m. She gets hung up a little bit once in a while and the tape gets balled up. Did you ever call weather and get a busy signal? Sure. I have done that when everyone in town, of course, the New Yorkers panic quickly. And uh, they want to make sure that when they look out of the window, the, you know, when it's raining or snowing, or the temperature is like 20, they want to make sure it's official. So they call up to find out if it's really snowing, you know, or really rain. They don't believe, nobody believes the senses here in town. But uh, it is a great night, I'll tell you. I, uh, I always go out looking around at the, at the Christmas world just before Christmas. And uh, I, to me, there is no place that makes Christmas better, that makes the scene more completely than the dime store's uh maybe this goes back to my lower nothing class youthhood in which uh whenever the whenever the you know the Christmas shopping started the kid goes out to Christmas shop he immediately goes to the dime store that where else you know you don't go to bond with teller when you're on a forty cent budget for the entire thing you know that covers six people well uh, you know so so I would immediately go to the dime store, Woolworth you see we had two or three big dime stores in town. That competed. There was Woolworth, there was Kresge's, which was uh, a dime store, too. And let's see, there was Kresge's, Woolworth, and what was the other one? There was another one. Not J.C. Penny, No, there was another dime store that was around. You don't see that one anymore. But Kresge's and Woolworth were my big areas of dealing. And I had my eye on a thing one time. I remember buying... Do you remember any stuff you ever bought for your parents when you were a kid? It's embarrassing now when you think about it, but i I'll tell you what I did one christmas, and uh I didn't intend to tell this story, but I might as well, but I was figuring you see for about a month or so before Christmas, I was always going into the dime store and looking the scene over, you know, figuring out what the what would make it and what I could make, and what you know what would really make what would really make the house complete you know it really somehow it would make my it would make my mother's life sing that sort of thing so I saw this, I saw this, 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 this perfume atomizer. Uh, it was a silver one. It was glass, but it had silver inside of it. You see, it was vaguely frosted on the outside. And now that I think back on it, it must have been one of the worst-looking things that Woolworth ever handled. It had a rubber bulb on it that was sort of jonquil yellow, and it, and it squeaked when you squeezed it, which I thought made, it showed that it was good. You know, it, it made a, a when you know, like a little mouse, one of those rubber mice, when you squeeze it, it made a squeaky sound. When you squeeze it, that, well, that, that shows it really has a lot of suction and a lot of power. It really blows a lot of perfume out. Well Well, I kept going past and looking at this thing. And this was about, oh, maybe about two or three weeks before Christmas. And I I had to debate a lot, you know, because it was a tremendous investment. It was a full quarter. And, uh, yeah, it was going all the way. It was a quarter. And they they had other atomizers there for 15 cents. They had a couple of them for 20 cents. And I was looking at the high-priced line, and on the middle shelf there, the twenty-five-cent atomizers, and they had some red ones, and they had a they had a blue one. Let me tell you, that would make your eyeballs sweat just to look at it. It was so blue. I don't I don't know where they got the blue, but even at that age, you know, I could see that was a rotten color. But somehow, the silver one, with the yellow bulb, and it had a yellow it had a yellow hose on the side of it, and the top was was imitation gold. Well, at the time, of course, I just called it gold. It had a gold top, and I kept looking at this thing. And finally, I decided, well, okay. And I'm in town with my brother, and you know, my mother and father are gone off sudden the now. No, look, we'll meet in front of minuses. Now, you be there immediately, and I don't get don't get lost, don't get hung up, because we do not want to have to go scrubbing around through the dime store looking for you kids. Now, at exactly eight o'clock. Now, you can see when the big hand is pointing, and. and now, you you be here at 8 o'clock in front of minuses. Now, you hear? Okay. So we go off. We split. And Randall's got a full 30 cents to spend. Since I was older, I had something like 45. I was going all the way out. And uh, I'm down there, and immediately I make a beeline for the counter where they sell the cosmetics and all the false eyelashes. You ought to see the Woolworth false eyelashes. They're great. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Well, they've got them, you know. So, so I'm, I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm, I have to make one last survey of the scene to make sure that I that is really what I want to get. So I go looking over the scene. I look back and forth, and finding okay, I'm going to pop. So I go up to this lady that is in charge of the atomizer section there, and there's about five million people shopping in the dime store, of course. Hey, oh, they were snacked up like cordwood. You can't even, you know how, you know what a mess it is trying to get weighted on. Even when you're grown up, you, you can yell back. It's, it's very hard, but a little kid, you know. So, uh, so it took me about 40 minutes to get this chick, you know, to decide I really wanted to buy one of these things. And she says, okay, all right, all right, here. And she takes it down and she wraps it all up and says, you want it wrapped? Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they gift wrap, believe it or not. Yeah, they, uh, they the dives are, I don't know, do they still, I doubt whether they still, they had a gift wrap department. So I go down and I get this thing gift wrapped. And boy, oh boy, it was fantastic. Absolutely incredible. I mean, I was really knocked out of my skull with this thing, because, you know, it was the biggest it was the biggest gift I, I can ever remember buying my mother, you know, it was a big thing. So I take the thing all the way home, You know, we're sitting in the back seat of the Graham Page, and I got this thing stuck under my sheepskin coat where nobody can tell what I've got. Oh, no, no, it's a secret now. And, of course, my mother always says, did you do any shopping? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> she says, well, what did you buy? And Randy is going to, wah, 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 you know, he's going to, and I'll shut up, it's a secret. Well, of course, it's a fantastic secret what I've got for everybody. <laughs> I, got this, I got this giant plastic lotto game for my kid brother, you know, <laughs> which he cared for like a shot in the head. <laughs> lotto. I never knew a kid that cared a nickel for lotto, but they always get gifts of lotto sets. And so I, I got a lotto set for him, and I got from my father a shaving brush. It was the only shaving brush I knew that molted. It, uh, this thing was, yeah, it had it had a yearly. It was a 12 cent shaving brush, and it, it went through a, an actual molting period. I want to tell you what happened. The first time he stuck it in the hot water, oh, oh boy! But that, <laughs> that's another point. But anyway, the the whole big thing, of course, was the atomizer. That was the big big scene that I was getting at. So I got this atomizer, and and, and I could hardly wait. You know, you always you always, always want to show it to somebody. I go, show. It. Hey, ma, I bet you can't guess what I got. And she'd say, well, now, I, su- I thought it was supposed to be a surprise. I don't want to know. Well, I, yeah, that's right. That's a surprise. <laughs> I bet you can't guess, though, boy. And she'd say, well, what did you get? A fieldersmith? Oh, come on, Ma. I don't want a fieldersmith. No, I bet you can't guess, really. it's it's uh, First of all, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's little. It's a little package. It's very little. You'll probably think it's not much, but it's because it, it's so little, see? But you'll be surprised, because it's fantastic. It's very little package. And she'd say, well, let's see, a diamond ring? Oh, come on, ma! no, it's it's not that little. It's bigger than that, see? Here, I'll go get it. I'll show you. You can look at the package. You know, that's, well, anyway, this is building up. This giant scene is building up until finally, of course, Christmas Eve comes, which was when we had our Christmas gifts and all that stuff. So everybody, it's now about 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and uh, we've had supper and you know, you're on a you get very nervous inside, and you're throwing up and everything else, and it's very terrible. And so finally, the time comes. And, and at that point, you see, because I had built up this giant thing about the atomizer in my mind, I was really more interested. In what she was going to think of the atomizer, then I didn't, you know, you didn't, I didn't even think about what I was going to get, you know. It's very strange because you can get really hung. And and so there it was, there I hid it, you know, put it down here next to the thing, and the tree is there and all that. And uh, I stick it out in front with a big tag, a giant tag on there, you know, to mom, you know, that kind of thing. And so she comes and finally they're opening the present. Everybody's opening the presents. I'm looking. Hey, ma! Don't you want to open that? I wonder what that there's that big one. Look at that! Hey, look at that one! The one over there behind the big. Wow! Look, ma! Well, finally she decides. You know she's playing it pretty cool apparently, and she's playing it. she's says, "No, well, I'm not in any hurry actually. I'm not in any hurry. I don't. I'm really not in here. You just open yours. Look at this. Isn't this wonderful? A donut cutter. Isn't that wonderful?" Oh, Uncle Carl, a donut cutter. Isn't that wonderful with a brass handle? Very good. So she's looking at her stuff. She says, "Oh boy, what a wonderful bathrobe!" She's looking at her bathrobe. She got all the oh, while. There's this thing laying there. I see this. Hey, ma, ma, there's one other one there. <laughs> I wonder. So she finally picks it up. She says, "Well, let's open this one up." Well, she opened it up. Well, have you ever seen those corny takes? Those real corny takes that they do in the class B movies that Dick Foran is doing all the time, or you know, that Judy Garland has a she has a penchant for doing this kind of thing. Oh no, you know that kind of thing. And my mother says, "What? This this is beautiful. Where did you get all the money to buy? This is just fantastic. She's really playing it. Look at this. Look at this." And she holds it up and shows my father. She squeezes it. Ow! It squeezes. He says, "What is that?" She says, that is. look at that. This is something that I have always wanted. I have for years, ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted a perfume atomizer. I used to always look at perfume. She says, look at that. It's, look at that. It's great. And, of course, I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm beaming all over the place, and my ears are red. And she says, isn't that fantastic? Great. And my kid brother is grinning. He, you know, held the secret all this time. So I says, hey, Ma, go get some perfume. Put it in. Okay, I'll do that. And so she takes her bottle of evening in Paris, which <laughs> she, had, she had received a giant four-gallon bottle of evening, evening evening in Paris perfume. It's a giant bottle. That's the big one, you know, the one that <laughs> she had, this big giant bottle. So she poured, she opens the top. I says, now you see, here's the way it goes. She says, I know how it works, and she unscrews the top. She takes the top, you know, she takes this giant bottle of evening in Paris and <coughs> she's pouring it in there. She tightens it all up. She says, now, okay, and it goes, ow, ow. Nothing comes out. She says, no, wait, maybe here. She shakes it, ding, 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 ding. She goes, ow, ow. Nothing comes out. I said, here, Ma, let me tighten the top. I tighten the top. My old man says, "Here, wait a minute. Let me get the, Let me here. Just let me. Let me check it. You know, the fathers are always a fish. You didn't put it in right. For crying out loud, what's the matter with you, women?" He opens the top and he fools around with a little bit, shakes it, blows it out, puts it back on. He goes, ow, ow, ow. "Nothing. Ow, ow, ow. Nothing." And my mother says, "Well, that's all right. She says it. It probably needs to get broken in." It probably has to get broken in. It'll probably work better tomorrow afternoon. You know, it's Christmas and everybody's excited. It'll probably work better tomorrow afternoon. I'm sitting there under the tree. Work better. It won't work at all. It's terrible. It's rotten. It'll never work. It'll never work. And she says, now, wait a minute. Here, just just a minute. Now, let's hold this thing. She shakes it again. Oh, oh. Oh, boy, was the Christmas going down the hot air register at that point. You know, it was going down flying. Just dead. My old man takes it again. He goes, ow, 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 He says, let me look at this thing. He goes out in the kitchen, and he takes his pliers, and there was a little nozzle on the front. You know, he takes this nozzle, and he opens it up, and he looks through. He says, for crying out loud, it's stuffed up. He takes a toothpick, and he's poking it through like that. He's pretending like he's fixing it. So he's pretending. He says, here, it's, it's stuffed up. He's there. He blows through it. He says, now it'll work, and he screws it back on again. Ow, 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 ow. He says, "There, it's working." I said, "Let me see, let me see." He says, "No, it's working. Don't worry about it. It's working." Oh, oh! He said, "Why don't you get back and play with the sled?" It's re- hey, Ann, it's working now. Oh, oh, Nothing is coming out, and he's hoking it up. Hey, it's working now, Ann. Oh, 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 oh! What do you mean it's not working, Dad? It's not working at all. I can tell it's not working at all. He smelled it. Yo, go on, go back. He's, Look at it. It's working good. Here, you can smell the perfume. And of course, the sink smelled of a good evening in Paris from here all the way to Indiana Harbor and back again, you know. Boy, and he holds it up he says, smell that? I says, yeah. He says, well, now you see it's working, isn't it? Yeah. Even I wouldn't admit it. Yeah. My mom says, gee, it's working, isn't it? Yeah. We all agreed it's working. Yeah. All right, all right, that's enough of that. Speaking of the non-working, this is W-O-R-A-M and F-M New York. And uh, boy, if you're planning, uh, boy, if you're, <laughs> this is a terrible time for to be telling you about your Christmas shopping, but if you, you have only one day, it's like tomorrow, man. And I would like to recommend the Pottery of All Nations. If you, if you want to make some quick, really good, unusual gift selections. Uh, they import from all over the world. And they got a couple of great things. And by the way, uh, speaking of great things, they have a fantastic collection of glasses for uh, over the holidays. Swedish, Polish, lower Slavobian, Russian—the whole scene. They got dissolving ones. They got dribble glasses. They've got the greatest collection of glasses in the world down there at great prices. And one more. Very interesting gift idea. Have you seen these Rome wine carafts, these wine measurers with the seal of Rome on them? Great gifts. They come in beautiful colors. And they're imported from Italy, and you can afford them. And they they really are beautiful. So this is the Pottery of All Nations down on Sheridan Square. And they'll be open late tomorrow night. And they're also up at 64th and Lexington, and Route 4 in Paramus. Pottery of all nations. They have the French cookware. They have beautiful stuff there. Okay. You know, uh, I, I uh, <clears throat> this is this is a, this is a great time. This is, this snow out here and all that, and all the people sludging around. I I just came back from the dime store. That's why I was reminded of it. I always I always make the dime store a scene, and the dime store. Uh, does do they call it the dime store here in the east, or they call it the five and ten here? Well, the more popular term in the Midwest is the dime store. You're going down to the dime store. They they rarely call it. Well, they did call it the five and ten, but that was more of a square term for it. That was, you know, the, the five and ten. Uh, yeah, everyone calls it the dime store. Well, well, the dime store. I notice here. Uh, it has, has the rock and roll syndrome going all the way. I'm telling you, rock and roll comes out of everything in the dime stores. And, and it was interesting to note that during this the holiday period, they have rock and roll carols. Uh, you know, they cover, cover the whole scene. And, and uh, the, 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 I guess the thing I dig about Christmas in the dime store is that people who look upon the dime store as a place to shop for gifts and so on, are not ashamed of really all-out, complete, thorough, without any questions asked, sentimentality. They are they're, they're nowhere near as hip as the Bond with Teller crew, you know, who, who really would never, never show any real emotion about anything. But it's great to see about seven people all standing around a counter, a great bunch of people, uh, thinking in terms of buying some gigantic plastic lamp that has, that has the genuine lifelike features of the Taj Mahal. And it lights up and looks like a forest fire when it really gets heated up. You know, they're all talking about whether Ant-Min would like this, you know. <laughs> and and uh, there, there's, something, there's something really uh, really great about it. it. And has nothing to do with, with Slavism or bad taste. It's something that transcends that. Well, this, this is a part of America, and I suspect part of, uh, of the Western world, which is rapidly dying out. Uh, it will die out, and and I would say probably within the next uh, thirty or forty years, hardly any of that will be seen, uh, because even even the kids now who live in the slums generally are hip. Uh, they they they, uh, they 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 find in the trash baskets they find New Yorker magazines of last week. They do not read the Police Gazette, you know. So so it's a it's a different scene, and and I uh, every time at Christmas I. Uh, I think of, of some of the great, uh, and, uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm talking about an, an American sentimentality which is very special. No other place in the world has ever developed the kind of frontier attitude towards baubles and tinsel and little things that flash and things that go round and round and make noises than the, than the Americans. And I suspect this is because we are still in the last stages of being a frontier society that uh, you'll find in most foreign countries, uh, the the old societies, the old civilizations, you'll find very little of this and very little of of flash and even among the lower classes you won't find a guy... uh, uh, the people in in Rome or people in places like uh, or perhaps uh, England will not be given to this kind of thing as completely and wholeheartedly as you will find in America. I'll never forget Doing on a Christmas Eve, uh, a few eons back in my Neolithic period, I, I used to do a commercial. I was on one of these radio stations. Now, I bet I bet not many of you know that large numbers of people in rural America, and all over America, not only rural. What's so, what's so surprising really is you'll find it in New York too. But large numbers of people will buy their Christmas gifts by mail from radio stations that are heard at 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we used to play, I remember on this radio station I was working at the time I was going to school, and it was an all-night show that I was on, and this this station covered everywhere. In fact, they, they were heard better on Guadalcanal than they were down the street from the transmitter. They even had a station break that said that. The only station heard regularly on Guadalcanal, and they meant it because they were. So they covered the Western Hemisphere like a gigantic, festering blanket. And all night long, they have these mail-order spots for Christmas. And and we would have records. I had about 10,000 records all stacked up, one on each turn, t- you know, all the way down big slots, and I'm playing turntables on both sides of me and a microphone in front of me. And I am Santa Claus, in effect. I am the catalog. And all night long, there were guys sitting up, listening on their radios, figuring out what to get more. And you would say, friends, have you you envied in those wonderful ladies' magazines those beautiful plastic aprons with floral and with Asiatic and with Holland patterns in sensational, beautiful household, beautiful, clear colors? Yes, it's the sort of plastic apron that your wife would love to have for this Christmas. And, uh, you know, and we will include, if you will send your name and address in just 20 minutes, if you will get on the phone and give us a call in just 20 minutes, we will include the smallest Bible ever printed as an extra bonus gift. Yes, an extra bonus gift that we'll be sure to, uh, you know, this kind of thing. Well, well, then, then there was a, uh, and, and yet, you know, it was kind of pathetic in a way because, the mail room would be filled with thousands and thousands and thousands of letters and terrible illiterate scrawls. You know, people can hardly write. And they, they didn't even know. Can you imagine people didn't even know how to write WOR? Believe it or not, you know what they would do? They would write down, literally write down, for example, if, if your call letter was WOR, they would write down W and they would write down a W and a U. They would. Many people do not know that 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 a W is a W for some reason. Yes, that's a. Did you know that? That's a nutty kind of illiteracy. And they would write down W U O R with dots. Rado, Raddo, R A D D O. Yes, Raddo STATON, S T A T O N. And then you would open up the letter. I never did because it was that eight million letters. It would say. Dear Sir, believe it or not, S-E-R-E, D-E-R-S-E-R-E, One Roy Acuff Bank, pliz. And it would say, Roy Acuff, R-E-Y, how they would get that, I don't know. R-E-Y-A-C-O-F-F, Roy Acuff Bank, B-A-N-C, pliz. Box one Seven five R R one Rabbit Hash KY would come like that. (laughs) And and you know, you you kind of feel sorry and and they're they're ordering a Roy A. Cuff bank that plays Red River Valley every time you put a penny in it, you know, that kind of thing and uh... it's it's for christmas you know and and it's it's so I, it's a part of christmas that you you just never one of the things we sold on christmas all the time that was one of the great was the revolving forest fire lamp and uh... yes the revolving forest fire lamp when you would plug it in and i would say have you ever envied those neighbors and friends of yours who have a beautiful like real revolving forest fire lamp Yes, a beautiful lamp that gives you all the thrill and excitement of a forest fire in the great north woods. Every time you plug this lamp in and the bulb heats up, it is harmless. It is just a toy, but one of the most beautiful home decorations ever devised by the hand of man. The revolving forest fire lamp makes a perfect Christmas gift for that elderly aunt, for that young housewife on your list, and yes, indeed, for your very own lovely helpmeet. Yes, yes the revolving forest fire lamp makes the perfect christmas gifts for everyone it makes a wonderful gift for a boy who is just putting together his first room a revolving forest fire lamp is full of excitement and joy and beauty and so so i mean you know and, and, and uh, so so you get a revolving forest fire lamp and then there was another one yes there were a lot of things for christmas and and this kind of thing is of course rapidly Dying out in America, I'm sure, there, there it is, it, it just is, because we're, we're rapidly ceasing to be a frontier place, and, and I'm sure the people who sit uh, and watch television now and, and watch the Jackie Gleason, and everyone, everyone will say to me, you know, gee, that must have been 100 years ago, no, it was not, as a matter of fact, it was in the 50s. So, so uh it's just, and, and even if you do tune in now late at night at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, you will hear still the vestiges of it going on. I can remember one thing. Have you thought that you just can't think of any ideas that are really unusual or different to give that wife of yours for Christmas? Well, the quilt lady, ladies and gentlemen, is prepared to give you a four-pound package of the most beautiful quilt materials, patchworks, and, you know, it's it's a quilt. Uh, it's not a quilt at all. It's just a big bag of, of of rags that are cut up in little squares for quilting. And that's a Christmas gift. And uh, somehow, you know, it's a great Christmas gift when you think about it. But this is the sort of thing that, that is part of a rapidly disappearing America. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted to, to, to know, you know, I'm delighted to feel that... Uh, that I had a little part, you know, that that I was there, you know, a little bit. Even if I was just a kid, you know, reading these things on the air, that somewhere, some place, out in some real far remote fastnesses in Arkansas, some guy was fantastically thrilled by the idea of a revolving forest fire lamp. You know, he's just sitting there, Ma, you know, I've been thinking about uh, about that corner there. That that corner there, next to the next to the deer head, I've been thinking, you know. And you you just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great thing. And I, I remember one time, one time uh, it was a suggestion for, for mothers. I'll never forget this one for mothers and wives. And it says uh, it says, Ma. Uh, do you have a man who likes to go out and hunt rabbits? Do you have a man who likes to go out and hunt woodchucks and, and possums and raccoons? Do you have a man who likes to own a real hunting knife with a long 12-inch blade with a beautiful serrated edge and a big, beautiful laminated handle that just fits in a man's hand like a true weapon? Well, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a, a, a commercial for a for a big 12-inch toad sticker? Uh, a big hunting knife for guys that like to go out in the woods and hunt woodchucks well that, you know this this is a, this is Americana you won 't get much of this in Staten Island or queens i 'll tell you, but nevertheless, that was all part of the gift suggestions and what What would probably surprise most people here since we we live you know we live in such a totally uh, well i suppose you might say urbanized complex here in the eastern seaboard that we 're all within a short distance of some kind of a tremendous shopping area. What would surprise you is the amount of mail and the number of things that are sold through the mail in a radio station of that kind. I'll never forget uh, when, when the mail used to come in around Christmas time. I remember one one wild Christmas week when, uh, when, when the mail came in. And every day of that week, uh, we would have Pinkerton guards standing on guard in the mail room. Why well, you could do better knocking over the mailroom than you could knocking over the really the Manhattan National Bank? What we used to have in the mailroom, in at, at almost any given time, in dollar bills, negotiable dollar bills in letters, we had up to forty and forty-five thousand dollars on every mail call. Yes, oh yes. In fact, uh, this this uh, this radio station in in one two-month period. Uh, took in by mail uh, at a Christmas, you know, just before Christmas. That whole holiday season, just a little bit under a quarter of a million dollars in cash in the mail. So you know, that's that's really you're, you're dealing with big kale, <laughs> and uh, and this this is this is all part of it. Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I speaking of that uh, that that great uh, disappearing commodity, uh, the, the unabashed sentiment in in American life. I uh, here is a poem, which is a, a Christmas poem. That I, uh, in fact, I the first time I did this, I'm going to give you a clue. The first time I did this was on that all night radio station, and I did this poem, and I did it all away. You know, I just, yeah, you know, oh, I just, it was a fantastic, emotional, wrenching experience. And I had music playing behind me. Well, I could hear a stunned silence when I finished that. You know, you can really hear it when you're on the air. You believe it or not, you know. You can feel audience reaction. There was a stunned silence. And I could hear a gigantic cascade torrents of an outpouring of genuine, honest, reliable, sober, American sentimental tears. It sounded like the Johnstown Flood. And then the phone started ringing. They were calling in from all over the country. My George, will you tell that young man on the radio I never heard such sentiments in my life, and I just want to tell him. Do you want to hear that poem, Walt? All right, Brent, sneak in some of that sentimental, some of that low-down music here. Oh, got to set the scene. It's Christmas Eve. Do you see the scene, folks? It's Christmas Eve, and a low, dark, stormy sky is just hanging over there. You got it? And it's a cold Christmas Eve, and the wind is howling. A boot black slept in a dry goods box. It was on a Christmas Eve. Though all alone in his scanty home, in Santa Claus, he did believe. He slept on rags and straw, and then he placed his little shoes outside, just as he hung his stockings up before his mother died. The night rolled on, and no Santa came, but a thief crept soft and low, as he stole away those little shoes that were left standing in the snow. Sad, sad indeed to see the lad standing in the storm, alone, beside the empty dry goods box that served him as a home. and the look of disappointment, Santa Claus did him refuse. But saddest of all was to hear him call Santa Claus, Bring back my shoes. But a moment's time had scarcely passed till I was beside the lad. What what makes you weep, dear boy? I said. Hav, have you indeed not got a dad? Oh, no, kind sir, he said with a beseeching look to me. My poor mother died a year ago. Papa was lost at sea. I started back when I heard this tale, for I was, I was returning home. Then I scanned his face. What did I trace? It was the outline of my own. I grasped the box as I held my child in a father's fond embrace. I could feel that my brain was whirling and the hot tears rolling down my face. On a whale ship, I sailed for six months' voyage to sea. I was wrecked and cast on a foreign shore where none could hear from me. The truth was clear. My wife, so dear from earth, had passed away. i played the part with broken heart of Santa Claus that Christmas day. Oh, thank God indeed to find my boy, although in the storm alone, beside the empty dry goods box that served him as a home. I dispelled his disappointment. Santa Claus will not refuse, for your father has come, my dear, my dear own son, I will buy you new shoes. Oh, man. (laughs) That was by Barney Mullaly. It was a late 19th century uh, Christmas ode. The Boot Black's Christmas. Listen, if I played the bums Christmas for you guys here tonight, you just wouldn't be able to go home. I don't want to play that one. The scenes, the terrible scenes and the in the Salvation Army, you don't want to hear that one, do you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, well, well, you know, this this is all part of it. I remember, you know, it's a funny thing. And, and, and I'll tell you another little odd thing that might be, uh, might perhaps, and it's not odd, it's just part of the passing scene. And anyone who has been in radio or in the public uh, media of any length of time can tell you that there's been a tremendous amount of difference or changes come about in the... What, what you can call, I suppose, the sentimentality of the American people. For example, one of, one of the most, uh, probably one of the most touching things that uh, anyone who's ever been in radio can tell you about is around about Christmas time, there would arrive... Oh, the, oh it, it, it's, it's hard to describe to you what kind of things would arrive, but there would be thousands and thousands of gifts would arrive for people who did radio shows. That the, that, the, that the people living way out in the backwoods, people who lived in, in, uh, in hills and valleys way out there by the lakes and streams and the mountains of America and the little small towns, would, would, would feel a, a real connection with the world through these people. And these people who were on the radio would become really uh, as much a part of their life and their family as their family was. Now, this is not a silly thing, really, you see, because they recognized another human being out there. Of course, in our time, very few people recognize another human being. They recognize all of mankind, but not any specific human being. This is, this is a kind of the new cool world where, where a man, a writer, for example, can have tremendous compassion for mankind. But he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't drop a nickel in the box, believe me, if the guy was in his last gasp. He'd say, oh, you bomb, you should have worked hard in your life, you know, that kind of thing. You know, there's a big difference. So you would, you would come into the radio station and, and there, would be, there would be great piles of things. Now, the kind of things that we got really were, again, part of that passing America. I used to get, for example, I, I remember for a long time I had a pair of hand-knitted mittens well, now these were mittens. I mean mittens, you know, the kind of mittens that a guy who lived in the city couldn't possibly wear. You know, great big green mittens that were hooked together by a long knitted green cord. Now I could not quite see myself coming into the radio station. You know, I mean, this is where there's a big city, and I've got my big green grandma mittens on with the cord that goes around and clips back of your collar. You know, you come in. Well, well, they used to send me these, you know, this kind of thing, and and. Everywhere everywhere you, you go, apparently, in America, grandmothers make one kind of pudding and one kind of pie or one kind of cookie or another that they're famous for. And so they would decide that the thing to do uh, on Christmas was to, was to do that was like the ultimate for them was to send you a box of these cookies or send you a box of this uh this pie or whatever it might be so we would be loaded of pies by the thousands and and cookies and cakes and and it was it was a, just a genuine gesture of friendliness now these these people did not expect you to say their name on the air because you didn't you know they did not expect you to uh to in any wise uh uh, acknowledge it because they were always amazed if you ever wrote them a letter back and say, Dear, dear, dear Ma Williamson, uh, I sure enjoyed the cookies. In fact, the whole gang here around the old hot stove, we just sat and munched and chomped on them cookies. And, in fact, old Luke, you know, busted a tooth on that walnut you stuck in that big one. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. They never, they never expected that kind of thing. So, so it, was, it, it, was, it was a very different way, a different world. And, uh, and Christmas cards were not quite uh, as big as they are now. In other words, the card today, which is a machine-made operation, and uh, many people will just send out Christmas cards compulsively. They'll send out Christmas cards to the guys they passed on the street, I can't, you know, this is a wild scene. Uh, and yet they do. I know some people who have lists. I mean, these little people. These are not people with uh, with great public relations problems or anything like that. These people will have lists of, say, uh, 1,200 people they send Christmas cards to. The guy that used to fix their fenders in the garage, you know, in 1938, that guy. Uh, and it's an attempt somehow, I suppose, to, to hang on to some kind of real world, even if it isn't real at all. Somehow assure yourself that you have a great swinging life, there's a a great uh, conglomerate of existence going on around you and that you're the vortex of it. Well, uh, the Christmas card, I think, has militated in a sense against uh, any genuine expression. It's interesting when you get large numbers of Christmas cards to see how many repeats you get. You'll get the same Christmas uh, picture or the same uh, and you can always tell how hip a person is by the kind of artwork on his card. And there, there, there's this kind of sameness about all of these things. But I, I still remember getting these, these, these battered boxes. And a battered box would come, and it's all splattered with ink, and it's, it's been sweated over, and you can see nine people have tried to tie it. It hasn't worked, and, and, and inside is a, is a Fannie Farmer candy box that somebody saved from last year when, when Beth had her, ba- had her birthday, you know, and the box is all battered and squashed on one end, and there's all kinds of tissue paper, and there is a gingerbread man in there with a busted leg. and, and Oh, yes, this is, this, is, this is a genuine, a, a really genuine piece of, uh, it's, it's reaching out and, 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 and touching or trying to touch and, and literally touching you. This uh, you never find any of this written in in, in novels or or books or comments uh, about the American scene. But I will tell you this: this is practically a unique American phenomenon. Uh, I have talked to to people in, in radio uh, stations all over the world about this thing, and I, th- none of them have ever have ever have ever had this happen to them. Or well, once in a while, someone will send them a book, or someone will send them some kind of a Maybe a record or something like that. But never a gingerbread man, you know? Uh, The same gingerbread man that they gave their kids, or the same gingerbread man that was given to the nephews. You know, she made ten of them, so she sends one to the guy she listens to on the radio every night. And don't think for a minute that that the people in the radio stations did not respond to this. That's on the contrary, because this is the kind of thing you can't help but respond to. You'd have to be some kind of a monster. You'd have to be half dead. But it's, it's a passing thing, and somehow uh, being part of it and seeing a little bit of it was one of the better things that have happened to me in this business. Keep your knees loose and have a good one.